Icarus Audiobooks presents The Rembrandt Anagram by Bernadette O'Reilly Read by George Liddington The old man hobbled down the varnished wooden floors of the Moritz leaving a spotted trail of blood behind him. He turned into a small red room and staggered over to a paintings. Did you prove this one? No time, just read for whatever it says. He coughed painfully. <laughs> he had found what he was looking for. He threw a punch at the girl with a pearl earring. The Vermeer collapsed under the force of his fist, and before it could hit the wall behind, the silent alarm had been tripped and a metal gate had fallen to seal the doors. He was locked in. The gunshot came out of the dark. The old man crumpled to the ground. Uh, now, I definitely can't do Dutch. Don't do Dutch! Alright, fair enough. <clears throat> Someone's in the mood. We just really pushed for time today. Are we ever? Where is it? Growled the hooded man at the gate. I'll tell you what you want to know, lied the old man. But as he spoke, the hooded man smiled. Exactly what the others told me, he said, before shooting the old man four more times in the guts. The old man struggled to breathe as his hand slid out across the floor. The bullet wounds formed a perfect pentagram in his flesh. The hooded man laughed. <laughs> Master lexicographer Dr. Julian Tackman awoke groggily and bumpily as the Dutch agent carried him out of his hotel and into the street. It wasn't until the agent had thrown him in the car and they were speeding through the streets of The Hague that Tackman even realised he had been dressed. Apologies for the rude awakening, doctor, said the agent. But your expertise are needed at the Moritz Suisse. Meneer Casper da- Meneer Casper- Meneer Casper van der Molen has been murdered. Tackman was aghast. He had had drinks with Casper only a few hours earlier. He knew what this meant. The girl, he said. The agent shook his head. Destroy her, doctor. Just like the others. A travesty, said Tackman. Get us to the scene, driver. Minutes later, and the car pulled up outside the Moritzhuis. Tackman dashed inside, pushing through the police tape. On the floor, the body of his good friend, Meneer van der Molen. An expert on the Dutch Golden Age, he'd been a curator of this museum for decades. Now he lay dead. How did he die? said Tackman. The agent moved the white sheet from his chest, showing him the pentagram of bullet holes. Ah, uh, he was shot. And whipped. Whipped tremendously, said the agent. Tackman shook his head in disgust. The agent placed a consolatory hand on Tackman's shoulder, then pointed at the strange symbol by his head. This is why we called you. What do you make of it, doctor? Tackman knelt down and examined the complex patterns. He followed them back across the floor with his fingertip, back to van der Molen's head. Dribble, said Tackman, but it's more than that. Latin. What does it say? asked the agent. Two words. The Rembrandt anagram. That's three words, said the agent. Exactly, said Tackman, sweeping out of the room. He boarded the next flight to Australia. As soon as he saw Van der Molen's message, he had known what it meant. A Rembrandt anagram. That could only mean one thing. Mutrebrand. Or Mount Rebrand, to put it another way. And which mountain had been rebranded? Or rather, which large sandstone formation had been given a double name? Of course, Aluru. Ayers Rock. Tagman spent the best part of ten minutes searching for clues. He quickly found what he was looking for. It's massive, isn't it, Aluru? Yeah. Hmm, oh, lucky. Carved into the rock, a message. Rembrandt was here, 1652. 
This was, of course, impossible. Rembrandt had been here in 1652. Australia wasn't discovered in the 1600s. Yes, it was. We're definitely going to have to stop in a minute. <clears throat> Tackman placed his shand on the carving. He pushed. It sunk into the rock. There was the sound of whirring gears and a door appeared in the side of the rock. Tackman went inside. He didn't notice the hooded figure approaching from behind. Inside, a colossal chamber. Is this uh, quite kosher? What do you mean? Well, isn't Uluru rather sacred to those Aboriginal chaps? I didn't write it. Tackman was astounded. The chamber looked like a room for a giant. There was an enormous stone table and a huge chair. There was also a small kettle, which, while huge, was small for a huge kettle. Scattered across the floor were enormous artist drawings. Tagman began to study them. They were undoubtedly in Rembrandt's hand. Amongst them, a world map. Cities circled. Paris, Madrid, Rhodes, and The Hague. A shadow fell across the map. Tackman turned. A hooded figure loomed over him. For one tense moment, both were still. Then the hooded figure struck. Pulling a whip from his belt, he lashed out at Tackman. Tackman dived from the floor. The whip cracked. <laughs> Outside, a scene of devastation. The other tourists and tour guides lay about, dazed and confused. They had all been whipped terribly. Tackman ran for the airport. Paris, the city of love. The first location marked off on the map. More specifically, the Rodin Museum. Tackman had spent many long hours studying art history and knew what Rodin had said of Rembrandt. A colossus of art. The next clue would surely be found here. Nothing. He spent the entire afternoon scouring the place Rodin had once lived. Finally, he sat in the main hall, despondent and defeated. The evening sun shone through a window, casting light on Rodin's The Kiss. Tackman looked again. There was something strange about the statue. He was looking outside. He turned and followed the couple's line of sight. A window. Suddenly he noticed the other figures. The gates of hell with its myriad demons all looking outside. He jumped to his feet and dashed into Rodin's garden. Taking a central space, the thinker. It all became clear. Every statue in the Rodin Museum was looking at the thinker. And the thinker was looking at the ground. Tackman grabbed a shovel and struck at the paving stone beneath the thinker's gaze. It cracked. A security guard stuck her head out into the garden. Don't worry, bellowed Tackman. I'm a scientist. The security guard slowly backed away. Tackman dug deeper and faster. He had to act quickly before that strange hooded man appeared again. He knew he couldn't be far away. Finally, a chest. Tackman swept the soil from it and opened the ancient box. Inside, yellowed paper. He took it out. Another drawing. This one signed by Rodin himself. An unknown Rodin. Incredible! It depicted a somewhat familiar sight. The ancient Colossus of Rhodes. Tackman had seen a drawing of this long-lost wonder in a history book. But this was somehow different. It took him a moment to realise. The giant statue's face was that of Rembrandt! It was all so obvious now. When Rodin had called him a Colossus of Art, he had really manant it. After a full start in which Tackman accidentally went to Rhode Island in America, he soon found himself touching down on the Greek island of Rhodes. 
the exact location of the ancient Colossus was long lost. Besides, it had collapsed thousands of years ago. Surely Rembrandt could have nothing to do with it. He busied himself at the main library on the island, poring over ancient tomes. All he needed was a single clue to continue this unlikely adventure, this tenuous voyage, this ludicrous journey. In a box file out the back, he finally found it. Carved on a piece of granite seven feet across was the second to last clue, probably. A family tree was stapled to the back. Rembrandt had been here too, and had left another doodle. This time, of him with his great-great-grandfather, Big Tom, the mythical giant king of Rhodes. The Colossus of Rhodes! It hadn't collapsed in an earthquake. It had simply walked away. A cruel laugh cut across Tackman's wonder. He turned. A hooded figure stood in the doorway. Who are you? gasped Tackman. The time of times has come. He who misunderstands nature cannot comprehend the flavour of ages. He raised the whip he was holding. He cracked it against the bookshelf. It tumbled to the ground. You can't keep this hidden forever, Tackman shouted. He waved Rembrandt's paper. The hooded man whipped it to shreds. Tackman dove for cover, then crawled for the door. The hooded man marched after him. Outside in the library, everyone had been whipped. Whipped terribly. Tackman couldn't stay. He couldn't help them. He just had to run. Had to keep following the trail. He knew it would blow the art world wide open. Maybe the whole world. He ran for all he was worth. Ten minutes later, he was hiding in a cubicle of the toilets at Rhodes Airport. He was fairly sure he had given the strange figure the slip. Who was he? Something evil. Someone trying to cover something up. Did he have something to do with the old curator's death? Tackman knew he would have to go back to the Netherlands eventually. But first, he got a cheap £15 flight to Madrid. There was one more lead he had to follow. Fifteen pounds, that's that's cheap. Sure, in nineteen eighty six. Fifteen pounds in nineteen eighty six would be about forty quid now. Ah, of course, of course. And with inflation, forty quid would be almost a hundred. Yeah. The documents led him to the very edges of the Spanish capital, the village of Quinta del Sordo. A long time ago, Goya lived here, the very last of the old masters. The sun beat down heavily on the parched plains of Spain. Everything was a deep burnt orange out here. Tackman knew one or two things about this place. Goya had lived here up until his exile. He had painted the haunting and miserable black paintings here. The other thing Tackman knew was the literal translation of the place name. The Villa of the Death. Amongst the long demolished ruins of Goya's house, Tackman found what he was looking for. A cracked mural depicting as Goya had named them, his three masters. A great branching tree upon which a green-skinned woman sat. Nature. Next, a dark-haired man with a moustache and beard. Velazquez, King Philip IV's court artist. And in the centre, Rembrandt, resplendent in his beret. Tackman spent many hours searching the ruins, turning over stones, examining every detail of the murals. Nothing and he knew he didn't have long. Every gust of wind, every scuttling insect made him jump. The hooded man could be hero at any moment. Nothing, except a vague reference to a secret code, a sort of language that Goya used to speak. A language of great power, of ancient significance. Tackman had wondered at first if he could find any record of it, anyone who knew how to speak it. It was then that he realised he had been defeated, 
Goya had lived in the villa of the deaf. The perfect cover. No one could have ever heard him speak. After another fruitless day searching, he left. He couldn't risk the hooded mane finding him. With sadness in his heart, he flew home. Sorry, George, shut up a second. A what? Shh. Let's finish up. What was that? Nothing. Finish your reading. He took a plane to Paris, then opted to take trains up to The Hague. A slow, leisurely ride north with plenty of time to think about where he had gone wrong. Out in the suburbs of Paris, he stopped and got off the train. He was in a leafy area, quiet and pleasant. He thought he recognised it. The name rang a bell. He walked down the street and stopped at a little cafe. The bell rang. He sat at the bar. A drink, said Tackman. Oui, monsieur, said the man behind the counter. What can I get for you? I don't care, said Tackman. The server sighed and poured out a large glass of red wine. What is troubling you, monsieur? I'm stuck. On what, monsieur? A puzzle, if you must know. The Rembrandt anagram. At that, the server smiled. You never asked me my name, monsieur. Why should I? spat Tackman. A pause. Very well, what is your name? I have worked here a very long time. Around these parts, they call me Mr. Bartend. Tackman froze. He looked up from his glass and stared, stunned into the barman's face. Mr. Bartend! An anagram! Rembrandt! He gasped. The bartender nodded. Please, said Tackman. You know something. Tell me what you know. The bell rang. Both men turned. The hooded figure stood in the door. You are in Auvergne-Joas, said Mr. Bartend. Van Gogh spent much of his life and died right here. He grabbed a bottle of wine and hurled it at the hooded man. He whipped at it and it exploded. Both men ducked as shards of glass peppered the room. So, gasped Tackman as they ran for the back door. I will hold him off. You need to get back to the egg. Why, pressed Tackman. Van Gogh loved Rembrandt's work. He once said that Rembrandt goes so deep into the mysterious that he says things for which there are no words in any language. But Van Gogh knew. He knew what Goya knew, what Rodin knew, what Vermeer knew. Rembrandt literally spoke a different language. A magical language. Mr. Barten stopped in the corridor that led from the bar to the back door. He turned and faced the hooded mans who was approaching. He pulled a long bar spoon from his pocket and held it like a sword. There are other Rembrandt anagrams. Magical anagrams. Go back to the Moritzuis. Back to the girl. There you will find your answer. With that, the hooded man cracked his whip. Mr. Bartend blocked it with his spoon. I don't understand, said Tackman. Go, said Mr. Bartend. Tackman turned. He ran for his life. By the time he made it to The Hague, it was night time. Rain fell in rivers from heaven. In the darkness, every person who passed him, with their raincoat hoods pulled low, looked just like the mysterious hooded man. He waved his credentials of the night watchman and marched into the Moritzuis. Police tape blocked every approach. 
He picked through it, heading for the ruined girl with a pearl earring. Here it was, the painting his friend had died in front of. Why had he punched right through it? Okay, said Tackman to himself. The Rembrandt anagram. A secret language. The girl. What does it all mean? He froze. He had heard a sound. Definitely. The crack of a whip. Uh, damn, okay, uh, mend at burr? Uh, nerd Mr. Bat? Nothing happened. This felt stupid, and the whipping sound and a cruel echoing laughter was getting closer. Brand term? Burr tandem? Still nothing. He looked desperately around the room. There must be a clue. Something caught his eye. The girl with the pearl earring, if her canvas hadn't been destroyed, would have been looking straight at another painting. Did he recognise it? Yes! Calm seas with fishing boats, but the Dutch artist Jan van Os! That's it, he gasped. He turned back to Vermeer's masterpiece. Drab net, mister! He shouted. Light poured from a gap in the wall. The whole face of it moved backwards. A door opened up. Through the door, an old woman, sitting very still in a chair. She raised the hand, and the hooded man who had almost caught up with Tackman flew backwards, smashing into a wall. Tackman was stunned. You, he said. I recognise you. Yes, croaked an ancient voice. The girl! You're the girl with the pearl earring! But, but you're still alive! I am, she said. And that is the secret. Rembrandt's secret. She reached up and took the pearl from her ear. What is it? He said. A pearl. But not just any pearl. Inside this sphere. The elixir of life. Guarded by artists throughout history. Take too much of it, and you grow enormously in size. Become a colossus. Rembrandt grew so big he flew into space and died. But just the right amount, you could live forever. She reached out to him, and he reached for the pearl. Well, that was something. Funny that the uh, old Dutch, French and Spanish artists should compose a series of secret anagrams in English. Full of spelling mistakes too, I noticed. Yeah, well, the budget service is never going to track the highest quality writing and... You know, why would the elixir of life cause you to fly into space? Uh, yes. Creative license, I suppose. Yeah. I wrote them all down as we went along. Fifteen I spotted. Right. Hold on. Hold on. What now? Well, I think the mistakes might make up an anagram. Really? Yes, look. So, look. A couple of H's, a W, an I... Two S's. Yes. Um. Uh, uh, what was that? W. Uh, b washes this honey? Shh. Estonia's way. Hot eyewashings. It's not anything, George. N no, I'm. I'm. F I'm fairly sure it is. Uh. What if we. Huh. Hmm. He isn't who he says. That was the Rembrandt Anagram by Bernadette O'Reilly and read by George Leddington. 
Ian Icarus was the producer for Icarus Audiobooks, follow us on Twitter at, at Icarus Audiobook, where this week one lucky follower will foil via heralding. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and try and get this week's secret word into it. The secret word is... Jesus. Icarus Audiobooks. We fly at the mercy of our Lord.